Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show. Presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast, Indianapolis wrap-up. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Mathis. This show and all of the shows are brought to you by BTOsports.com, the nation's leading retailer for bike parts, body parts, anything you need. Uh, BTOsports.com has it, and you can save yourself some good money by using the code PULPMX. And, of course, this podcast is also presented by Fox Racing. Fox said it's excited to be part of the fifth annual Monster Energy Ricky Carmichael Daytona Amateur Supercross, kicking off Sunday, March 9th. That's this Sunday. Two full days of racing. Uh, longer laps than last year, more practice time, more class options, everything to give the racers more track time over the course of the weekend. Come join Fox and RC the day after the Daytona Supercross race. For more information or to register, visit www.racedaytona.com. As you guys can hear, I'm doing it on the, over the phone. It's a little different this week. It's uh, I'm in Florida, down in Florida, hanging out. And I'm Steve Mathis with me on the line, on the other two lines, the racerx.com online editor, Jason Wygant. Yeah, and uh, based on your Fox ad there, I've just learned that I'm going to have to do a lot more work at the Ricky Carmichael Amateur Supercross at Daytona next weekend. Oh, more, more laps, more classes, more practice, <laughs> more announcing. All right. You, uh, and, of course, Jason Wygant, you, uh, so you're, you're announcing Daytona again. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. the next day, you get up. Pretty much the same day. The same day. Pretty much you the back, same You go back to the Speedway. Like four hours later, yeah. <laughs> and that's all day. And then Monday, back to the Speedway. Um, oh, wait a second. Have, yes, wait a second. This thing's two days? You just read the darn thing. Well, no, Sunday, March 9th. That's the Ricky Carmichael Amateur and Supercross. You said in your copy two days of racing. It's Sunday and Monday, bro. Oh, oh it does say two full days. <laughs> it says it. You said it. Um, And then... uh. Oh, man, and so it's, I mean, how do you capture the 450 Supercross main event action from Daytona and then work up the same enthusiasm for the 7-11 shaft mod drive class? Well, uh, if you guys got to hang out at the event, I highly encourage you to do it at some point. We just sit in one of those beautiful suites that you discovered at Daytona last year, and whoever is still hanging out, I think Monster Tom from Cali will be there this year. You're just basically sitting up there BSing all day and then occasionally looking at the track and saying, oh, and uh, so-and-so's <laughs> in the lead. So anyway, Tom, what's going on? Right, right. That's very little announcing, a lot of chit-chat. You guys would enjoy it. And um, also on the line, I'm David Iser this year also. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, Iser about. can make anything exciting. DMXS zone. Uh, the original and best internet radio show. Damn right. 
Also on the line, two-time German Supercross champion, two-time Montreal Supercross champion. Down here in Florida with me, across the state, though, is our own Jason Thomas. What's up? All right. Very exciting times. Indianapolis Supercross wrap-up. We're bringing it to you via my wife recording and working all the equipment and us in three different locations. But we're delivering this. That's what we do. Um, Weege, more RC amateur Supercross talk. Is there still an RCU? No longer at Daytona. Uh, we only get the track for two days, and uh, oh. we just kind of found that with these amateur events, having people come down all the way down somewhere to race for one day, they don't want to do it. So you got to give them two days of racing or don't do it at all. So two days of racing, no more RCU. But it's, it goes on just on Daytona. I think they've yeah, got no two Daytona. in Europe okay. now and one at Redbud. Okay. All right. I was just checking. So uh, actually, the it would be I got to say. It would be pretty sweet. I know they modify the track a lot from the Supercross track, but it still would be pretty sweet to say that you've raced on the Speedway track. It's got to be cool. Yeah, it's got a lot going for it, too, because you can actually pit out of those Daytona garages and stuff. For anyone who's not seen Daytona in person, it is pretty darn cool. I mean, the stadiums that go to are neat, but there's nothing quite like these Super Speedways. So just to kind of experience that and live in the infield with your you know, camp out there for the weekend, it's pretty cool. Did you enjoy your weekend off, Wygant? It was glorious. It was glorious? No, it was all right. Nice to be at the races. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> all right, let's get I'm into some Indianapolis I'm stuff. I'm skipping the rest of them or anything. Let's get into this Indianapolis thing. Um, the track, JT, uh, we, when we walked it, it looked uh, a little short, a little tight, uh, still some challenging, but it, I... I did not think when I was walking the track that it would end up being a basic enduro cross by the time the end of the main event. Um, what happened? What do you think was the deal? Well, I think, uh, you know, we, we used to see conditions like this a lot, but I think particularly this year, I think with the end of the NFL Combine, uh, you know, being basically the week before the event, I think they got into the stadium pretty late. Uh, the dirt was pretty wet because we've had that whole polar vortex, frozen syndrome going on for you know the last few months um so just basically was kind of the perfect storm for a, a wet ruddy track um you know we, ha- we haven't had too much of that lately but i actually kind of liked it i thought it was good to see it it, cha- it gives some character to the series and and makes those guys deal with some conditions they're they're not so comfortable with okay i i said the same thing in my column that's coming out tomorrow on racerxonline.com but tell me this you no longer race but you used to race in those conditions, it's not fun. It's tough. Um, I always felt like I was pretty good at it, so I looked forward to it. But I could understand why people wouldn't like it. Um, we, we don't really practice and stuff like that. And it kind of changes the, the outlook of the race. It slows the racing down. There's a lot of mistakes. It's not just a, kind of a 20-perfect lap scenario and everyone's you know, going really fast. You kind of have to pick your way around, and the lines are constantly changing. Uh, I just think you have to think a little bit more, and it kind of played into my hands. But So I may have a different view than a lot of guys did, but I'm sure there was a lot of guys complaining too. It was it was uh, Toronto Supercross, whatever year that was. 2008. 2008? Yep. It was the closest thing we've seen to that, although it was not that bad. It was definitely not that bad. Right, but it was close. It was in the same... Uh, stratosphere. I don't know if it was or not. I don't. I, don't, I really don't think so. Okay, that, that's right. my personal opinion. Uh, Toronto. I, I've never ridden a stadium super inside a dome. Anything 
close to 2008. Uh, but it was definitely tricky. I mean, I think if you went back and looked at uh, a few races in particular, uh, Atlanta 96, Indianapolis 97, uh, Seattle uh, late 90s, those are some incredibly ruddy tracks, way ruddier than we saw uh, this weekend. So, yes, yes, it was okay. ruddy, but I just think that we've become numb to that condition, and we haven't seen it in so long that we're, it was kind of shocking. But it really is not that wasn't that bad, in my opinion, compared to some of the races we've seen in the past. Weege, what did it look like on TV? It, it was incredible, like, you know, not getting air, looking slow, uh, the whoops, the guys were just wheeling through. I mean, a lot of the same stuff you saw, but it absolutely mm-hmm. was conveyed um, yeah. how gnarly it was. Do you know what the biggest difference is? I'm, I'm rewatching it right now. The difference mm-hmm. between heat race and main event, massive. So that gives you an idea. You could tell the track and break it down. The um, yeah, it 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 it, it looked something. It looked like uh, a war but zone out there. It's funny because worse, correct? What's that? Wasn't practice worse? Per- I don't think the whoops were as bad in practice, but the jumps, RV, I talked to RV Sunday night, or Sunday morning in the hotel, or in the airport, sorry. And um, he told me, JT, I don't know if I told you this, um, I saw you last night, but uh, he told me that he got them to move the finish line landing closer because everyone was coming up so short on that, which they were. Yeah, I think that was a good idea. There was a lot of people... A lot of people crashed there. Not even just came up short, but crashed in the in the unseated practices. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Kudos to him for that. Yeah, he he moved it. He said he told them to move it. I mean, he has. I mean, he's you know obviously. I don't know how much you know if it was just all him or a bunch of guys or whatever. He made it sound like he did it, of course. Well, I think there's some truth to that because a lot of guys complain, but there's only a, a limited number of guys that actually have any any persuasion, mm-hmm. and he's definitely one of them. So I yeah. think he could have probably pulled that jump off as many laps as he needed to, but he probably saved a, a bunch of other guys some big crashes. Did anybody ask you to stand in any whoops or ruts, JT? Yes, they did, and I vehemently denied the request. Yes, I will not stand in those ruts. Um, all right, let's get to the race itself. Um, first of all, congratulations to Ronnie Stewart. Did you see, JT? Ronnie Stewart made, his, I believe, his first ever Supercross main event. Uh, I did. Um, did you see him celebrating? Like, he was... That was awesome. Uh, I didn't see him celebrating, but awesome. I can imagine that he, he was, and he should have been. Um, you know, it was very Teddy Parks-ish. You know, just, just a great ride when they needed to put it in. And, yeah, uh, yeah congratulations. I mean, that's a, that's a huge accomplishment. It's cool to see guys we celebrate like they won the lottery when they just got a ticket to do 20 more laps of hell. Yeah, but see, it's the same thing with Parks. Like, these aren't newcomers. Like, Ronnie's been around a couple of years now, so it's, uh, you know, imagine how many weekends of, okay, I'm getting closer, I can make this happen, I'm on the verge. It's not like he's, you know, he's always in the fast 40, I believe, almost every time, right? So yeah, it's like yeah. every week he's in the hunt, he's close. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that was a huge, huge relief. I've been focused on doing that for a year or two now, you know, getting close every time. I know we're probably going to get some hate tweets or emails for starting the show like this, but let's start talking about the other Stewart. Have you guys heard of the other one that races, too? There's Ronnie. Mookie. Malcolm. There's Malcolm. There's another one. Tony? No, no, Tony drives cars. Uh, James Stewart, we uh, we did a, the pre-race pulpcast. You weren't obviously able to watch practice, but... Um, oh, I listened. I listened. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. I did the full, um, I did the full uh, fan experience. JT, it 
Stu looked again so good in practice. I mean, he it was like we said it was it was gnarlier um, in practice. At least the jumps were than probably the night show. And uh, man, he looked so good. But then again, just a first turn deal. And and is it just me or we JT? Do you want to see him get up and go faster than 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 he was going? I mean, it was. He sort of took a while to get going. Yeah, and I it's hard to say. I, I think he hit harder than it looked at Atlanta. So right. I'm not sure if, if he was kind of feeling that one because mm-hmm. the bike kind of slammed him in there. And then, honestly, the the tower was blocking my view of the crash this weekend, and, and I've been on the road, so I haven't got to see it. So I, I'm not sure how hard he hit the ground in his crash uh, this weekend either. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, yes. I would like to see him get up and, and go, but I, I can't say that he didn't have a reason to take mm-hmm. his time either. We, if you're Ryan Villapoto and you're down on the first turn and you look over and there's Roxon second in the points and there's Stewart third in the points down with you, 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 life's pretty good for you. Yeah, well, he was literally sliding along, practically making eye contact as they were sliding, mm-hmm. um, uh, he and Roxon. But the Stewart crash, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't that happen like kind of right past the first turn? Was it, I, the, we, the tower again was blocking us, and I haven't seen it either. So, well, watching on TV, it looks like Stewart and did somebody else in a Suzuki. I, I see two Suzukis down. After I think Hill was down. Like basically, what's that? I think Hill went down. There were two Suzukis. I just assumed I can't tell what's what, so I'm assuming oh, one of those two must be Stewart because I didn't see Stewart in that pile with mm-hmm. Roxon and uh, Villapoto. So unless I'm wrong, I'm saying I don't know if you're Villapoto if you knew that Stu was down. Obviously, he knew Roxham. No, he knew. He, he told me he knew. Yeah. As they were on the ground, or did he get up right and say, oh, hey, there he is? Oh, yeah, whenever, maybe just when he got up. But he knew that Stu had been down when he got up. Yeah, because they did get up, like you said, more quickly. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you knew that you figured uh, Villapoto and Roxham would be, you know, last and next to last. And then you look and you're like, wait, somehow James Stewart is even further back. How the hell did that happen? Um, he got seventh, though. I mean, that was really good in the end. It was better than Atlanta. We're only 11th. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I know what you're saying. Like, not getting up quickly, what does that mean? I mean, is it, potentially it doesn't mean anything. Maybe he just hit the ground hard both times. I don't know. Yeah, really. JT, um, the, uh, in practice, he was something else. He was good again. Oh, he looked good. Yeah, it's the same thing. I, I picked him to win both weekends, and watching practice, it would be hard not to. And then it just hasn't gone his way. So uh, you have to think he has more wins in him because the the riding is there. It's just he's got to got to put the pieces together and stay out of trouble. We also talked about in that uh, pre race pulp cast that it, I I said anyways that I thought Ryan Dungey could do very well. I, I don't know if I thought he could win, but Weege uh, that it, he he looked uh, to me watching the race he looked like he didn't make any mistakes. I'm sure he did um, that I, I just missed, but he was able to put 20 laps together. We just talked last week. Remember, I said, will he get a win? And uh, yeah. I think you guys both said he would. Um, yep. And I, I wasn't sure, but uh, he got it, and he deserves it. Full marks for that. He, uh, he looked like the most in-control dude out there. You know what's weird about these ready races? It seems to bring out strengths in two opposite types of riders, um, which Stewart, I think, when it comes to talent and skill and things like that, we know that he's at least as good as everybody else, or maybe he still even has an edge. So I think when it's rutted and really difficult like that, like I felt in Atlanta, it wasn't just, again, that he was faster, 
but he just looked smoother on a track that was gnarly and rutted and sticky in spots and slippery in others. I'm like, he just has so much skill as a rider when it's really difficult to even ride fast. He's able to really excel there. But it, at the same time, there's other guys who are almost opposite. Like, we also we look at, like, Brock Tickle seems to do well at tracks like that. And uh, with, with Dungey, I feel like then you get the dudes who are just workhorses, and they're like, when it's terrible weather and everything's going bad and their day is horrible, they don't care. They just get what they get anyway. They ride the same. Like with Dungey, you're always going to get the same Dungey, no matter if it's sunshine, rain, mud. His bike doesn't make it to the line. He'll still get out there and charge. He'll always, always give you – doesn't really matter. He doesn't move in any direction emotionally. He's the same robotic guy. So I feel like it somehow plays in the hands of two kind of opposite styles seem to work better in events like mm-hmm. this, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're yeah. right. And, and, and look, yeah. at what a swing. Uh, JT, nine points up for Villapoto to Roxon. Nine points on Roxon. He leaves Indy 24 points up on Dungey. Uh, so quite a swing in the points. And, and if you're RV, uh, his 19th to uh, uh, 4th place ride, that's... You, you, you were saying after the race that this thing is almost over. Well, of course, anything's possible. You know, we yeah, saw no, a big course. crash on the start, but I, I do feel that the, turn, the series just took a huge turn for the, the boring. Um, mm-hmm. Man, I, I really feel that as smart as Villapoto is and as many times as he's done this, these guys are going to have a real problem prying this championship away now. So. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for the fans that were looking forward to this coming down to the wire and, and Feld, of course, too, man, I, I just don't see it. I, you know, I just I think Phil Poto's, you know, deep down, he's kind of like taking a huge uh, deep breath and sigh of relief. Um, what did you see from Roxon's crash weege? Again, I missed it, and I haven't watched the show, and I just caught the end of it when he was sort of getting up. What, what just drugged the pegs and on that triple? And yeah, it didn't, look, it didn't look super gnarly, but I think kind of like we're saying uh, with uh, with even Stewart last week in Atlanta, I mean, at this point, these guys are all going fast enough where, I mean, it really doesn't have to be a super gnarly crash to catch something just wrong. So I guess he's mm-hmm. been on TV there that he hurt his back a little bit. Um, and obviously it was a pretty bad night uh, going already. I think the only other theory you can throw out there, and I'm sure this is what people are going to say, is that essentially – Rocks and Dungey and, and Stewart are all basically a race behind now, right? It's a 23-point lead on Rocks and a, and a few more to Stewart and Dunge, or Dunge and Stewart, correct? Something like that. 24 uh, on Dunge. Yeah, sorry, Dunge a second. But the point is they're basically all one race behind. Yeah. So what's going to be thrown out there by the other guys is, well, we've each had a DNF. Dungey DNF, one of the Anaheims crashed and broke the clutch off. Rocks and DNF this one. Stewart DNF Anaheim one. So I think they're all going to at least say, hey, we've been even with the guy. The only difference is we each had a DNF. He will have a race like that at some point, and then we will be right back there with him. I don't know if that's true, but that's the only thing you can say at this point. The difference isn't that he's beaten them every week, week after week after week, just that they each had a bad race and he didn't. Um, JT, Villapoto makes – yeah, it does make sense for sure. Uh, Villapoto, JT, he had a terrible practice again. Yeah, it it wasn't as bad, I didn't think, as Atlanta. I, he looked better, I'll say. Um, the times were, you know, the placing was similar, but he looked a little bit 
more on his game, if that makes sense. And, and I know the evidence doesn't prove that as far as the times, but I, I just didn't see him struggling uh, it's just to, to circulate the track like it did at Atlanta. I just felt like the track was pretty beat up, and you know he was not not one to take any real big chances. Um, so I, I kind of expected him to come out and, and be on the podium, whereas Atlanta I just didn't see it at all, and he he obviously proved me wrong. So, but let's let's talk about this a little bit. I mean, he's got two wins, and I was grilling him on Sunday morning because obviously he was throwing insults my way about everything. Yeah, he even threw you in there, JT. By the way, um, and I said, "When are you going to win?" It's been a long time since you won. Like I thought you were the best. I was telling him, "When do you, do you win, or do you just manage these championships?" And of course, he loved it and cracking jokes. But but for real, uh, three titles in a row, Weege, for Villapoto, um, going for his fourth. But this might be the least dominant season we've seen. And hey. We're nine rounds down now, so like, it's you know it's time to start talking about that. Um, Stanton won a title with only three wins, I believe, in '92. Now I'm sure Villapoto will get more than three, but in a way, and I think some of this is due to track, some of this is due to his starts, but I feel like this is the least dominant we've seen. What do you think, Wage? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I do think there were a couple maybe early. Let's see, one Oakland. So the next one was Anaheim 3, and Reed and Roxton took it to him. And I'm like, okay, yeah, the track maybe wasn't his liking. He was in it for 15 or 16 laps. Then I think San Diego, you know, he gave Stewart a good run, and he's like, Stewart's way back in points. If I can get him, I can get him, but I'm not going to go balls to the wall. I don't say he's backing it down, but he wasn't going to go over the edge. Mm -hmm. At that point, I think it's manageable. It's just two races. But that it continues to happen over and over at this point, no matter how big a points lead he has, there's no way he's pumped at having lost, what is it, five in a row now? Um, um, yeah. Yeah, because I, I was always keeping this stat. Since he won his first one ever, Seattle 2009, he had won half of the races that were held. And that even includes races he wasn't even in with injuries. Mm-hmm. So to win two out of nine, that's not even a third. So even though the points lead's big, it's not quite what we're used to. And what I'm kind of wondering is, is this, you don't normally get, we, we don't see guys win four in a row because usually something happens. They get hurt or something weird happens, right? Besides McGrath, who is so head and shoulders above, he was able to maintain that gap for years. Is this just inevitable of that's what makes it so hard to do this? Four years of dudes gunning for you and trying every single day to be the champ, is it not possible to just continue that level of dominance forever? What do you Other think, guys JT? are just going to keep getting better and keep trying, and eventually yeah. they're going to be close. Is that possible? Um, I think it's inevitable that you're going to lose that edge, but right. I still, I still do think that over 17 races, he's the best guy. So, mm-hmm. if you're saying is it is he lost some of the edge? Uh, yeah, that may be possible. Um, but I still do. Th- feel that he's the favorite going into that long of a series. I, I feel like he ha- he can rise up just like he did at Atlanta. He's having the worst day we've seen him maybe you know have in three or plus years. And then he still comes out and, and almost wins a race and ends up second. So I, I still think he's he's the class of the field and and he's kind of proving that, you know, we're talking about how non dominant he is and how has he lost the edge and yet we're halfway, and he's got a 24-point lead, you know. So 
I think we just have to keep that in mind is, yes, it, it may not look as pretty as we've seen it. We, he may not just be running away with these races, but, man, you start adding the weekends up, and, and he's almost got a full race lead just like, just like last year. You know, Millsaps was so good, and then Villapoto ended up wrapping it up before the last race. You know, just goes to show how solid he is week in and week out. So even though he shot down your theory about being too nice to Roxon and mentioned that, yeah, JT, he's a, tell him he can take out whoever he wants while he's in 18th. Even though he said that, uh, you're on Team Villapoto still. Yeah, I mean, whatever. He, he's got a point as far he's as... joking about... He's yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, but I think, too, he almost is kind of making my point for me. He's not going to take Roxon out when they're battling for the lead, you know? Mm-hmm. So even though he's making fun of my theory, if if you don't think that deep down he, he doesn't want to take Roxon out or he doesn't want to ride dirty with Roxon, I think you're fooling yourself. I mean, those guys do everything together. They ride together. They train together. They hang out together. They eat together. Of course he doesn't want to take him out, you know? Right. So my theory is it's pretty common sense, in my opinion. Um, he just doesn't – I don't think he wants to get called out about it, you know? He, he wants to basically – everybody to think that he's going full out and doing everything he can to win at all times. Um, yeah, I don't at all think that he's not. Uh, he, he's definitely the favorite for the title. I think the one interesting thing about this season is I don't think at any point at us or anyone really that's not totally biased and being paid by someone, you know, a particular rider or something like that, I don't think any of us ever were. Filippoto has been the favorite, and he's pretty much maintained as the favorite the whole time. I think that's safe to say, right? Mm-hmm. I think at yeah. any point. Been the points leader pretty much the whole time, so. But I do feel like it's like you know the Olympics just ended, and you're watching the Olympics, and you're like, that's the hard part about someone trying to win two in a row. You basically have to be at your peak for four whole years, manage to maintain that peak for that long. It's very difficult, and that's essentially what Villapoto is trying to do. He's trying to keep that edge over everyone for four years in a row, to just be always the best guy every weekend. Uh, is Got to be hard yeah. to do. Uh, he, overall, is he still probably the best? Yeah, but I don't think the gap is quite that big. Maybe we got misled because McGrath, for example, had such a huge edge that even if they got a little closer, he was still winning 13 races. Uh, yeah, I don't absolutely. think Filippoto's gap was ever quite McGrath-like, so he doesn't quite have much to play with. You know, uh, you know what? Just a touch on that. You know, yeah. I've, I've heard Ricky Carmichael say this many times that one of his proudest achievements, and I kind of felt this way too, but obviously I wasn't, anywhere on their level. But one of his proudest achievements was he was able to almost reinvent himself and keep reassessing and innovating his own style to keep up with the new kids that kept coming up, namely James Stewart. And I think, I think that's part of the reason why Bill Poto brought Roxton into the program was for that reason where you kind of have to keep elevating your game and, and, keeping up with the new techniques and the new styles to keep yourself on that edge. And I think that's what Ricky was alluding to is he's so proud of the fact that James Stewart came up was the fastest thing we'd ever seen on two wheels. You know, he came out, kicked Ricky's butt a couple times. Ricky went, you know, back home, figured out what James was doing and came out and was able to raise his own level, adapt the techniques that James was doing and still be better than James. So, I kind of think that's what Villapoto's looking at is he wants to keep up with the times, and, and what better way to do that than, you know, ride with one of the new up-and-coming kind of guru kids. Yeah, that's no, a great point. Something, something yeah. there. 
Uh, Tomac, we've been waiting for Tomac to do something. Uh, he, he's obviously he was fast the first round, got hurt, hasn't really done much, crashed out of a couple rounds, and uh, told me at uh, Atlanta that if all goes well, uh, he will not have to go to California that, that following week to test. Well, it didn't go well, and he had to go to California. But, JT, what was he going to California for? Well, you know, we're going to have to do a little bit more digging on this, but I think he's been been messing around with going back to the production bike. You know, he did this last year, so it's not a new, you know, a completely new idea. At the end of the his 450 stint last year, he ended up back on the production bike. But uh, I heard through the grapevine this weekend that he was, uh, on the production, you know, Geico tested bike and not the full factory Honda bike. So, yeah, he was. I did some digging. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I didn't want to confirm that because I, you know, I basically it was hearsay on my part. But uh, I, I trusted my sources, and, and I feel like it was true. So, if you're telling me, then that makes sense. But yeah, it weird, weird. Yeah, I, it's the same Honda, thing Honda. kind of as last year. Um, Honda. Don't 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 we? Yeah, you feel bad for him because you know that bike is <laughs> state of the art. Right. Absolutely state of the art. So whatever they're going through, they're going to sort it out. But you know, I don't know if it's it's the chassis or, or you know, I'm assuming it's chassis issues. But you got to feel bad for them because you know they're working their butt off, and, and Honda doesn't take this kind of stuff laying down. So I expect them here shortly to to come back out swinging and have a, a dominant motorcycle. But for the moment, it just seems like maybe uh, less is more as far as uh, you know. But, but, Here's my here's my thing with that though. Now, he got second. Great ride by him. He was good. Um, but don't you feel, JT, that Indy? And I'm going to say about this about Dean Wilson. I feel like good for Cole Seeley to get third. Good ride by Dean Wilson to get tenth from from crashing. And good ride by Tomac. But this whole race was a wash. I don't know what we learned from this race. Well, I would agree with you, except for the fact that Tomac was up there in practice as well. He was. Uh, yeah, he was on the board all day. So I don't think it just came out of nowhere, and I don't think it was just a product of the first-turn crashes. Would he have gotten second if Stewart and Bill Poto and Roxon and all these guys hadn't crashed on the start? I can't say that. But I definitely don't think he would have gotten 10th place or been battling for 8th or ninth or 11th or whatever we've been seeing yeah. from him. I think he was much better than that. Uh, I, I just don't know, you know, when we go back to a more slippery track or the conditions go yeah. back to what we've been in all year, will, you know, he go back to where he's been all year? That, that's yet to be seen. Um, I keep saying Trey Kennard is going to be the litmus test for that Honda. Well, the litmus test for Dean Wilson and Cole Seeley and Tomac on the new bike will be Detroit. Let's see what happens in Detroit. Because now we're going to be back to a regular dome, good old dome, normal dirt supercross. Or at least we, we should, or we hopefully should be. Yeah, I mean, well, who knows the way this weather's been. You know, yeah. I thought that's how Indy would be, too. So, right. who knows? Uh, Weege, the 800, he won another heat race. And my Twitter was blowing up. But he held it together. Although, Weege, there was some Barely. booze. There was some booze. And, yeah, I heard in the stadium the booze were, were quite... Loud. That's what I heard. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, they were. Uh, but, people I was um, talking to today uh, at the, the Gibbs team, they were actually impressed. J Bone said he was impressed that 
you know, you always wonder in the in the stands at a Supercross, like, are they really knowledgeable fans? Are they hardcore people that follow it? Or are they just kind of maybe to go to the one race? You've got to be impressed. He's like, it seemed like everybody in the building knew exactly what happened last week. So, good <laughs> on you, Supercross. Yeah, Indy, St. Louis, Pontiac back in the day, probably Detroit now. Those are fans. They wear their jerseys, they tuck them in, yeah. and they're fans. <laughs> um. um but uh, you know what? But, and I know it. And look, and wait. Maybe unpopular to to give Analesi any compliments right now, but dude, how about the fact that he's ridden the best he's ridden all year ever since that incident? <laughs> As usual with the Alessis, nothing makes sense. Nothing. No, no. the drama. <laughs> they are fueled by the drama. The more you hate them, the more problems that they're causing. Then they're then they're in their element. This is where they were raised. Transfer of power. They take okay, the hate. That. They take the hate, and they build on it. He, Mike was so used to <clears throat> racing every weekend with people trying to kill him that now that people are trying to kill him with the pro races, he can go back to the speed and stop that he showed in the amateur. Um, hey, and he, listen, Tomac had nothing for him until he crashed. JT? No, I, I think that it, I, I don't want to say he had given up on catching Oessi, but the first five to eight laps, he was all over him. You know, it was just like, yeah. I've got to get this guy yeah. every turn. And then Alessi, I don't, I don't know if Tomac slowed or Alessi changed some lines and picked it up, but it, the, the dynamic changed where I think both of them were, were fairly content to, to ride that out to the checkers, and I don't think anything would have changed if Alessi didn't throw it away. No, no, I think Alessi, would, we would have saw Mike Alessi get second place, career best. I agree. Um, and he won that heat that was stacked. That heat was stacked. And I know there are only six laps, but still, he had been a complete non-factor for, what, five, six weeks in a row. Yeah. Like, he is so much better than he was before Ticklegate. And it all comes back to the starts, too. Like, somehow his starts are back, you know? Yep. So. As you, you remember, uh, might have been Indy last year. What was that race where you made, like, the quickest $20 ever? He whole shot oh. heat. He said, yeah. when Mike starts are on, they're on. I'll bet anybody $20 he grabs the whole shot right now. And then the gate drops, and you're like, thank you, $20. Yeah, he the whole yeah shot I don't remember. But yeah. 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 When he's on, he's on, man. Um, well, he was riding great. And, yeah, he ate crap and got 15th. And it sucks that people were cheering their balls off when he crashed because they were, I heard him in the press box, in the stands. Poor Mike. Pretty brutal. I heard it too, and I was just like, "Man, you guys are classless." Like, yeah, uh, think yeah. what you want, but dude, I mean, that's just unnecessary. But if you don't like the guy and you do a little silent fist pump to yourself, whatever, you still suck because the guy just crashed. But that's mm-hmm. yeah, just tasteless, in my opinion. But we each comes from a pro wrestling world where there are heels. Uh, I love every second of all of it. I mean, <laughs> I mean. I, here's what I, okay, let's go back to, you know, Carmichael was proud of reinventing himself. You have to give the Alessis credit for reinventing themselves just when you think they can't come up with something crazier. <laughs> like, you definitely would have thought Lasergate was it. Or even Kill Switch with Tedesco. You're thinking that's it. It's ne- the gift will, cannot keep giving. And here we are again, reinventing themselves. Incredible. Uh, Cole Seeley, third place, JT, a good ride by him. And I'm not that surprised because Cole, he's a technical rider. He, hop, he rides within his limits. He rarely throws it away. It's probably all he was trying to do out there with a decent start was just, you know, hit his marks, make his 
make his lines, and uh, he ends up with a third place. And Barsha, who I didn't know was out until the Friday, uh, I think uh, the Friday before the race, maybe Thursday, maybe Thursday, late Thursday, um, Honda really saved themselves by fighting Cole, JT. Yeah, I don't think that they had any any kind of, you know, uh, intention or, or hope that Cole Sewell would land on the podium. And I'm sure they were pretty bummed out when they lost their, you know, marquee guy of Barsha. But, man, what a uh, what an unexpected turn of events for Honda to have two spots on the podium when, when really this year has just been pretty horrific for them. So uh, <laughs> if you would have asked any of them going into Saturday morning if, if they thought they had a shot at the podium with mm-hmm. Tomac struggles and Sealy, you know, last-minute deal, they would have probably laughed at you. But, man, uh, unexpected surprise, and good for them, man. They've had their share of struggles this year. So nice to see those guys have some, some good fortune for once. Uh, Hill, Hill had a good ride. Hill came from 20th to, uh, to 9th. You know, he was kind of not as – well, actually came from 22nd to 9th. So Hill had a good ride, Pacific Northwest guy. See, that's and, what and I think it is. I think it was Hill and Stewart that were down together. I think I told you that. I said Hill. Yeah, but did you confirm that it was Stewart down with him, or you just said you knew Hill was down, or did you? No, I knew Stewart and Hill went down because Hill oh, was okay, way back. And then we know for sure. Yeah, they were definitely yeah. down, but they were. Well, it wasn't Pike and it wasn't Tickle, so that's yeah. pretty much all the okay, and, well, and it was, feet further. Well, it could have been Ronnie Stewart. Stewart. Ronnie Stewart could have been the Ronnie Stewart. Could have been Ronnie Stewart. And unless he rides a Suzuki, but it is, it is white. And then can't get any help from Suzuki. What's up with that? Uh, we got second uh, in the series outdoors, and we didn't get any help. I don't understand. I wonder why. We tickle was good again in practice, and he was fifth place in the main. He was he caught up to Villapoto a few times in the main event. Um, we've seen tickle just be dominant at like Seattle. So I'm thinking that yes, he's been good lately. He's been better, but also these conditions, we've seen him go fast in this stuff. And and so now if tickle has a fifth. Um, and he was on the board for a while in practice. I don't know if he finished there. And uh, Hill got ninth, so good night for the RCH guys. Yeah, I think it's just like you said before. Um, you kind of need that litmus test. Like, he's definitely been much better these last two races than he's been uh, probably ever in 450 Supercross. But there is that little asterisk of did he get better in general or do these tracks just help him? I think he's, I think he's coming around. I think he's just getting better, and it'll, it'll continue, but... It is a track that he usually does well on, so it's hard to tell for sure. But I think he's just going better. The uh, and we, you were at JGR. Does, did Brayton need anything from you? I mean, were you over there helping? You know, offering anything you can? Uh, absolutely. I was actually upset because he was starting to feel a little bit better today. Oh, you know, I was, I was ready to stop by with some chicken noodle soup or. Did, any any kind of fluids I could you know provide it any way shape or form or kind. Did you find out what it was that he ate? No, he knows. Oh, salmon. It was salmon. Salmon on Friday night. Uh, I think it might have been Thursday. I don't remember now. Oh. Uh, but he, he's he's got it down to the exact meal. Mm. Uh, couldn't eat anything at all until last night. Tried to eat a like a power bar type thing Saturday morning. Couldn't. Tried to have a smoothie. Couldn't. Uh, basically, didn't eat it all. He was uh, he was in no condition, and he felt bad because it's uh, said you go down, you know, for like opening ceremonies and stuff, and like mm-hmm. security guard wants to ask him a question, or some you know people want an autograph, or hey this, and that's actually the hardest part because you pretty much feel so horrible you don't want to talk, but you know that if you don't talk, yeah. then they'll forever mm-hmm. know. Dude, that guy I met him in person, he's not cool at all. <laughs> 
Do you see? Yeah. Do you guys see what eating healthy does to you? Do you see now? I see what not eating healthy does to you. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's a good alternative. <laughs> I'm just saying, you eat salmon, try to help yourself. Look what happens. But look, uh, eighth place is good. You can't undercook French fries. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, eighth place is good, considering all the stuff that he went through. No doubt. What was it like? Uh, I think I was you know, following on Twitter and whatnot, and obviously watching the race. He definitely hit the wall, the, the figurative wall. He did. On that track. <laughs> he did. That was gnarly. Uh, um, but I think he's yeah, still eighth is fine. He'll take that all day long, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, what do you think of Dean Wilson's debut, uh, JT, on the Team Two Two bike? Um, I thought he, he honestly looked crazy nervous. I mean, he he almost crashed one lap in the whoops, then came around the next lap and finished the job and crashed. I mean, he looked like he was a ball of nerves and his first race ever out there on any motorcycle ever. So it was all right. He crashed on the start and, and was able to come back to 10th. Um, I, I think it'll get better. I think he'll calm down and, and get those nerves. You know, it's, a, it's the first time he's raced a lot of those guys, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially trying to fill Chad Reed's shoes. You know, I think that's that's a big spot to take, and that's a really popular team, and, and he's stepping in for, you know, a legend at this point. So mm-hmm. I think it'll get better. He'll ride more like himself and calm down, and, and yeah, he'll improve. What, uh, yeah, over under uh, in practice, uh, five crashes, JT? Uh, it probably was something like that, yeah. Probably somewhere around there? Yeah, he was two for two and, and two laps, so I'm sure you could sprinkle in a couple more after that. Um, and uh, Will Hahn was riding pretty good, went down, though, unfortunately. And um, uh, Way had a good night for him. 13th is pretty good for him. Albertson told me that... Uh, he rode it like it was in a women's dirt enduro cross. That's what he told me. Uh, don't get mad at me. Don't send hate tweets to me. That's what Albertson said. And uh, Pike went down in the whoops, and, you know, he's got that bad ankle. He told me after the race that he goes down in the whoops, and his ankle's caught in the bike. Of course, the bad one is caught in the, between the fender and the rear wheel. And, of course, the guy helping him up is lifting his bike the wrong way and twisting it even more. And he's pounding on the dirt, yelling and screaming at the guy. So... When it rains, it pours for Weston Pike. Yeah, he was stuck under that bike for a while. I was, uh, I was actually getting, uh, I was very unhappy because I thought that my fly racing gear was getting destroyed by the motorcycle, but I'm, I'm glad he was okay in the end. Well, with you, it's either the gear or fantasy moto purposes. Yeah, no update on the gear yet. I'm still waiting on a you know report back, but I think Weston's okay. And Weege, Cody Gilmore made the main event first one of the year. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, you know, you, you, I, I guess uh, I was trying to think, you know, when you see Stewart make it, Ronnie Stewart make it, and Gilmore get in, and Nick Schmidt getting the magic back here, Yeah, you go to figure, okay, well, basically, there's not a ton of injuries. You're trying to think of who. Marsha wasn't there this weekend. You're trying to think. But <laughs> being a horrible night, obviously, for Gerke, which I'm sure we'll get to, you know, all those guys are just looking for the opening, right, looking for the opportunity. They're always on the hunt every week. The card's got to fall their way. So, uh Good for him. I think everybody knows Gilmore's story for the most part. You know, this is a guy who came back from cancer mm-hmm. and has actually been pretty solid in obviously the toughest class in the world. So, Do, good for him. Does anybody have any idea what's going on with his side number plates? His numbers are huge. Oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, JT, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely noticed it, but I, I don't really have a 
a logical yeah. answer for you. Really, just trying to make more of a joke than anything, but um, they are big. Good one. Uh, Weege, uh, or Weege, JT, uh, the BTO Sports KTM team, Andrew Short, had a terrible practice. He told, told me it was such a bad practice that DeCoster, who never comes over, DeCoster came over, one, very concerned with Andrew. Are you okay? He's <laughs> um, very worried um, about uh, Andrew's practice. And then uh, Andrew himself changed, uh, changed his gearing, changed his triple clamps, changed his front tire, changed his shock, um, and then he comes out and gets a sixth place. Yeah, I talked to those guys after uh, the first practice, and they were, you know, you were down there, and they were changing everything. And and I wasn't a huge fan of that because I thought the track would change quite a bit as well during the day. Um, but at least they they made a bunch of changes and kind of figured out what would work and what didn't. And you know, getting a good start in the in the main event helped quite a bit. And he just rode solid laps. You know, he wasn't uh, doing anything spectacular out there, but good solid laps and and you know, put in 20 consistent ones and you end up with a, a good finish on a, on a track like that. And Matt Gerke, what, what was Gerke's deal? <sighs> Matt had a rough night. Um, you know, he, he screwed up the start big time. Uh, he flinched before the gate dropped. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was pretty much last and just really couldn't, couldn't make up the gap. You know, there was uh, some good guys and he, Got caught up in a crash, and this yeah. is in the LTQ. You're telling us, yeah, in the semi too. Yeah, yep. okay. kind of the same scenario. Bad start and couldn't yep. get up there. Uh, it, it's yeah, just one of those things yeah. where when it rains, it pours. Every time he went out there, something bad happened. You know, it was just a, yep. one of those anomaly nights where it's just not going to go your way. Uh, and Tedesco, I did see that. I haven't seen the race, but I did see Tedesco. We he got lucky. Wow. Well, lucky the uh, the one industry's gear. You want to talk about Pike's gear taking a beating. Uh, both legs dragged halfway down the start stretch in the back of a bike and uh, <laughs> saved G- by the one industry's gear. JT, have you ever had that, that happen to you? Getting dragged down the start straight? Yeah, it's been caught in a lot not, not like that, no. I've been dragged before. Both legs. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been dragged that far. That was pretty incredible. Honestly, I, for the odds of you getting both legs caught in there at that angle to where I can just drag you and you come out uninjured is incredible to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was Tevin Tapia's bike, and uh, luckily I was looking at Tapia, and he wasn't, like, revving it, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. He looked like he was, kind of, cause he was coming in the turns. So he was off the throttle, you know, which probably helped. Yeah, and I, I saw him post something on social media like, damn it, that, was, that would have been a whole shot for sure or something. So clearly, very concerned about Tedesco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tapia! Um, you know what I feel I'm like with Gerke and uh, Tedesco. You know they've been they've been okay this year, but you know they haven't quite been quick enough. It's not like they're making it in through the heats. They're usually getting in through the middle of the semi, or maybe having to go to the LCQ here and there. So I feel like this is inevitable. Like they've been kind of on thin ice here and there, and then they're going to have a night where there's one extra big crash, and boom. They, they didn't make the main, because they had made every one, I think, right, at this point? Yeah. Uh, Gerke didn't race the first one, right? No, that's where he got... What do you mean? In the main that he got taken out? No, I thought it was in the heat race. I thought it was in the main. I thought it was oh. in the main event. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think they had... It's like they had been on the edge a couple times and managed to survive, but one of these nights, it's like, you keep living on the edge, you're going to miss one. And you know, Tedesco wasn't good all day, though. Wrong. Like, I watched Tedesco in the heat and in the, in, in the semi... He was struggling, and, and you know he's from New Mexico. None of those guys that I ever knew, like the Johnsons or Ryan Clark or 
private, they don't do well with that stuff. They just don't do well traditionally with ruts and mud and soft dirt like that. And Ivan wasn't good all day long. And, you know, last week I went up to him to talk to him about the race, and he was like, he didn't even want to do an interview. He was like, no, I don't want to do an interview. Just say that I sucked. Just write that I sucked. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, go, go ahead. So Ivan needs to turn it around here uh, to help himself out. Um, speaking of helping yourself out, btosports.com. Help yourself out there. Go order uh, anything you need for your bike or body. Use the code PULPMX to save yourself money. And, of course, um, check out their tire, their tire prices, which are some of the best around. And um, they'll ship anywhere for free, provided you s- uh, spend a certain amount. And, uh, hey, support the sport. BTOsports.com KTM team. They've employed uh, our own Jason Thomas for many, many years as a racer there. So uh, check those guys out. And, of course, I mean, one of my favorite events, the Ricky Carmichael Amateur Supercross. Fox is excited to be part of the fifth annual Monster Energy Ricky Carmichael Daytona Amateur Race. Kicking off the, this Sunday on the ninth, two full days, Weege, two two days of amateur Yay. racing, featuring longer laps and practice time. Jason Wygant will be Yay. calling the action with David Iser. Come join Fox and RC the day after the Daytona Supercross race. For more information or to register for the event, visit racedaytona.com. And listen to this race tech commercial. Why don't you to save yourself some money on any, any sort of suspension work that you may do? BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension, and they've been around a long time, and their, their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people. At least uh, change your oil in your new bike. Use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thee, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Race tech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back. We, I, I, uh, I don't know what's going to be funny. I, I, I almost want to go to that RC amateur supercross just to hear your voice just crack and just be overloaded by the end of the second day. Uh, I, I would I would appreciate you going because to me, every all the pleasure you would take out of hearing me announce at the race, I would take seeing you roaming the infield, hanging out with RC. Yeah, RC, I'm just here to support you, bro. And uh, Kenny, Kenny's always all over that one as well. Right. So, uh, right yeah, come right. on down. I, I think the jokes uh, jokes not going to be on me. <laughs> yeah, I, I at that point I've uh, been in Florida for a week. Third event where the term plumpamex was uh, invented. Oh, so, really? Oh, yes. Yes. Hilarious because I, uh, I think guys were still working together every week at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just you know. Um, all right. Let's say anything that I hear that I wouldn't say to his face. Let's go to 250s. Um, Martin Davalos, stop me if you heard this before. No, you know what? I'm not going to go there. He won a race. He's been riding terrific. And in a way, JT... 
Was that crash his fault? <sighs> yes and no. Um, if you see concrete on the on the track, you have to make an effort to avoid it. I, I feel like it, it, they've they've gotten better about that problem, but it used to happen all the time for us, and and you just had to be smart and avoid it. But at the same time, that should never happen as at a Supercross race. You should never be jumping onto the concrete like that. So, yeah, he, he definitely deserves some blame, but, man, it was a little bit of extenuating circumstances there. And he, and he still got second place. So, it's, yeah. you know, we've seen him throw it away twice this year. That You know, we've seen so many times. Yeah. But he still got a third and a second in those mm-hmm. two throwaways. So it's tough to really fault him at this point. I was watching uh, after I saw him go down, and the reason why, you know, JT, we had a good spot in the press box, I was riveted to that section from, <laughs> from there on out. Watching everybody land on the on the uh, concrete uh, or plywood, I think it was probably plywood, wasn't it? Yeah, whatever it was, it was yeah. no and, traction. And Dakotas almost bit it. Uh, a few guys did. Um, it was uh, not in a good spot. No, they they fixed it for the 450. I was a bit concerned that was going to happen again in the 450, but luckily it didn't. But it, it's unfortunate that maybe the the winner of the race was determined by you know a, a Track issue, but it happens, if, I guess. If you're Mitch Payton, no, your your other rider won, so you're pretty happy. Do you say anything? I mean, what can you say? You know, are you going to protest Feld? Protest? I protest Dirtworks. <laughs> I'm just saying. Do you say something like, "Yeah, hey, I can mean, we pull it together, guys"? Yeah, I mean, maybe you say, "Hey, you know, can you guys do a better job of checking that out before the main event?" You know, mm-hmm. yeah, give give it a once over, or, or who's in charge of? Uh, you know, like John Ayers go, rides his whatever that contraption is around the track before the motos and the outdoors. <laughs> Who is responsible for that at Supercross? If you're going to say anything, I could see something along that line, but, you know, what what can you really do? Um, John Ayers takes riders around the track. For the yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get myself in trouble, so. <laughs> um But, I, hey, uh, uh, we were just, I was talking to somebody, and I don't remember who it was, Weege, and... They were telling me there's no way they thought Adam Cincerillo would be this good. They're like some top fives. I thought he would get some top fives. You'd be, and I'm like, really? Cause I didn't see the kid ride at all, and we knew he had a rough summer. But man, he's really legit. He, I mean, obviously, he two wins now. He's he's a, such a much a, such a better rider from where he was last summer. Yeah, and I think what's really dangerous here, as far as uh, you know, know for everyone else is I know that other guys, Ernesto Fonseca, Trey Kennard came in and had. Even better uh, starts to their Supercross career. Canard won the first three. Mm-hmm. Fonseca freaking nearly won every single race his rookie year. But as good as those guys were, I mean, Canard and, and Fonseca were not slouches as amateurs, but we've talked about it on this show many, many times. Yes, Cincerlo had a lot of hype. Yes, a lot of people are jealous of that. But I believe, at least in my mind, the hype was because he was really good as an amateur and really fast and really... The reason he was said, oh, this kid could be the next Stuart Carmichael Villapoto coming through the Team Green system was because he has that type of potential. So when he starts doing this well now, that's really scary. It's not like, well, maybe he just got lucky or things just were rolling his way. Like, we know that he has the potential to be really good, and now he's showing you to be really good. And if he's this good now, how good is he going to be next year at this time? This could really be impressive. Um, because he's gonna, God, he's gonna keep improving big time from here. He's just getting started. 
fitness is good too, JT. Like he fell soon after taking the lead, and those guys were on him again, and he just he just pulled away, man. He had a nice nice lead. By the end of the race, he had uh, pretty much six seconds on, on you know from from the end of, at the end of the race. And, and so your point is that a Alden Baker trained rider has solid fitness for fifteen laps. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm gonna have to agree. Okay. No, I, to be being serious, I I really was interested to see because Davos had plenty of time to catch him. Uh, you yeah. know, Davos threw it away, then AC threw it away, but then they were only maybe three to four seconds spread out, I believe. Mm-hmm. So Davos could have could have done it if if he had the pace, he could have gotten him. And to you know, Adam's credit, he just he steadily pulled away, and and really there was you know no challenge at all. So uh, it's got to be building his confidence. You know, I, I'm sure Davos could see. Adam and, and I'm sure he got excited when he he realized he still had a chance to win and it just wasn't in the cards for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bogle with another podium, um, which is good. Uh, Bichelia, two DNFs for for Matthew for Michael. Have you did you see that on the uh, on the board? Weech? No, what was this? Uh, he tweeted it. I don't know if you follow him, but I noticed it on Saturday night too. They Feld has the uh, little video screens with the rider's face and name, right on it, and it was Michael. Bichelia. Really? Yeah. No, I didn't. I, I yeah. didn't see that. I do follow him on Twitter. I guess I wasn't around yeah. there that yeah, time. He tweeted he it. So, wow. uh, good job from Michael. He uh, he showed something, though. I mean, look, he, he lost the third spot to Bogle. Bogle caught him and warmed down a little bit. But uh, still, fourth is uh, that's got to be pretty good after, after DNFing your first two races. Oh, yeah. I, well, he's been, he's been not that great. I, you know, I. I I don't want to say not that great. He's he's it's his first year in Supercross, but with the expectations of such a good team at Geico, I'm sure he was putting a little bit of pressure on himself, and it had to feel great to kind of produce something. You know, he wasn't on the podium, but fourth is pretty dang good in that class right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the uh, Baggett was my choice for this title, but can, Weech, can I can I can I switch? Do I have to ride this Baggett train all the way? Uh, you might, there is still Daytona. I would say hang in there. Series of the, uh, begin till Daytona. Um, he's, he, he starts. I mean, you can't, you can't give Martin Davalos and, and Sean Cirillo two great starters. You can't continue to start like this and pull this thing off. Yeah, I, I'd say you still have to give him the Daytona shot because he could, obviously I think that one's going to work for him probably better than any other event, and then maybe mm-hmm. that gives him a chance to get rolling again. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the starts have been horrible. And you thought, okay, Atlanta, he'll have one bad start. He'll get a fifth. He salvaged something out of that. But now two in a row. He's yeah. not even uh, third in points. Bogle's actually ahead of him now. And, and they're not just bad starts, Weech. They're terrible starts. I mean, Atlanta, he was dead last this weekend again. Way, way, way near the back. Yeah, I he's not he even getting any. Atlanta, I guess he must start. tangled with someone coming out of the gate, right? What happened here? In the 250 main? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Atlanta, it's like the gate drops, everybody takes off, and then here comes a, another bike. <laughs> it was that bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the uh, Vince Freeze got the whole shot. Rode well. Sixth place for Vince. Dakotas, good ride by the Ripa. Seventh place. Um, they were both pretty good. And, uh, you know, guys like uh, um, Martin and Thompson, Cunningham, guys with, like, that are making salaries. Well, I don't know if they're making salaries. Jeremy Martin, Wharton. They're these uh, Freeze and Dakotas, you're... Probably making very little money are are 
putting themselves in, in a good positions for, for the future. Um, JT, Jeremy Martin, good news. Made his first main event. Bad news. Went terrible. Yeah, it's, man, you thought after he got to the main event pretty easily, you're like, all right, let's see what the kids got. And then, yeah, pretty much was like not making the main event. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll see how Daytona goes. It's you know he was great in the outdoors last year, so maybe mm-hmm. maybe Daytona will help him out as far as uh, finally getting that good result. He, he's got to be just beside himself with frustration at this point, and, and Yamaha and, and his team as well. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty unexplainable. Um, I don't think anyone expected this kind of struggle, but it's going to turn around at some point. I really do believe that. I think uh, you know he, he was faster than we've seen him, and I. He's going to come around. It's just whatever's going on, it's a weird deal, but it'll pass. Uh, Alex Martin ended up off the track again at some point. I don't know what's going on. That's two two or three weeks in a row Alex Martin has been riding around the insides of the track. I'm not sure if he's trying to pull Adam Entenap move. Let's touch on that. What was Entenap thinking, uh, JT, when Chisholm stuffs him in the 450 LCQ gets by him, knocks him kind of off the track, and then Entenap can't get back on safely. That's fine. You can't get on safely. Okay, we get it. But you pass the guy back. <laughs> and then I'm not sure start- if you've heard. but I-, I have heard, yes. And if once you've heard this song, nothing is out of the realm of possibilities <laughs> as far as what he is going to do. So I, I think like someone to- should make a clip of him just uh, blowing past Chisholm off the side of the track, you know, laid into his rap song, almost a rap video. And I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna understand where Adam Knapp is coming from. I really do. What do you think, Weege, was his argument to the uh, John Gallagher? I, 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 I'm gonna have to ask Gallagher. I mean, I am. <laughs> I cannot figure out. The only thing I can think of is uh, my uh, parents were over here watching it, and my da- my dad was saying. Could he possibly be arguing that he got knocked off because of him, so it wasn't his fault? But then, don't pass the guy. Like what? <laughs> no. You know what? He he did have every right to go down the edge of the track. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. The move he should have made, in my opinion, in, in hindsight, is twenty twenty. I, I get it. But if he had rode next to Chisholm, let Chisholm go in front of him, and then set himself up to just punch him out of the way in the next turn, I really think he would have got away with it. I really do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he just goosed it and, and was 20 bike lengths ahead of Chisholm, you know? So, yeah, he, he screwed himself out of any chance at getting it. But I really think that there was an opportunity there. There was nothing wrong. He got knocked off the track by Chisholm. He could have retaliated there and made it stick, and I really think it, he would have got away with it. But, you know. <laughs> All I know is I'm in the press box watching it, just like you, JT. And uh, you're going, dude, you can't do that. You can't, whatever, you can't do that. <laughs> it's awesome, though. Um, anyways, uh, good times for sure for Adam Intonab and the LCQ. Anything else, JT, from who's Paul Coates? Does anybody know who Paul Coates is? Yeah. Okay. He's a British kid. He trains at MTF. Um, he raced the, the Monster Energy Cup and was running up front at times in the, in the amateur class, but he crashed quite a bit, and much oh, okay. you know, much as we saw this weekend. But uh, yeah, he, he's an up and coming young kid. So yeah, so I'm correct in thinking that he's not born and raised in Cairo, Georgia. No, 
Okay. Now, closer to Cairo, Egypt than Cairo, Georgia. Right, right. Uh, all right. Didn't know. And Gavin Faith crashed out. Blake Wharton. Oh, JT. Blake, did you, Blake crashed once really bad. Sat there forever. Got his marbles back. Got back on the bike. And just went to, two more crashes before he finally said, okay, no moss. Tough night for Blake Wharton. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I mean, he's, he's riding well. I, I thought, you know, he would be kind of a podium guy, but mm-hmm. track just, the track just bit him this weekend. I mean, it, it was so easy. It looked like to make mistakes. And give him, you want to give him credit for getting back out there and getting after it, and then it was just like, no, I told you to stay down, you know, type deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. um, okay, so we all agree that the East Coast is three rounds in. We all agree that uh, – Jeremy Martin is the um, uh, biggest disappointment, right? Everyone. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. that's pretty okay. fair. Okay, all right. Okay, who's next? And then I'm going to go with who's the most surprising. So I'm going to go both ways. Um, we didn't do a pre-race pod for this, but we did talk about the series a little bit in one of our one of our shows. Now, congratulations, to Jeremy Martin. He wins the clear-cut most disappointing rider uh, to start the year, but. Um, Who's next, Weege? Uh, disappointment in, in specifically 250 East? Yeah, yeah, 250 East. Uh, Wharton, we're saying, right? Right? Or can I throw well, him in there? You can say yeah. Wharton. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Wharton. Because okay. I would say, the fi- I, I was thinking the strongest dudes would be the guys who are one, two, three, four in points right now, and uh, Martin and Wharton. So there you go. They should have okay. been the best. Yeah. I'm going with Cunningham because Warden at least has, what, a fifth at the first round? Sixth? Yeah, and he was, uh, what, fourth in Atlanta, I think? Maybe yeah. Seventh or fourth, Uh-oh. I believe. Seventh or fourth. Yeah, okay, so I'm, you know, like. Oh, we got fifth in uh, Dallas. Okay, so he's got some finishes. Uh, right. Warden does. True. Cunningham, though, I mean, this is a guy who's. I don't. He's not on the upper echelon level, but not going that well for him. Um, JT, what do you think? Most disappointing after Jeremy Martin. Most disappointing. I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to say Gavin Faith. Okay. Uh, I just feel like he's much better than his results show. He's crashed mm-hmm. out and had everything go wrong. Can go wrong right. at this point. Uh, biggest, your biggest surprise, JT. Biggest surprise. Um, I'm going to have to say freeze, but Bisheglia with that fourth. Bisheglia wasn't even in the radar for biggest surprise, but that was pretty strong for a fourth. But freeze has been solid. I mean, he's not winning races. Any, any. I know he's saying he wants to be on the podium, but he's been there every week. You know, he's been in that top five, four, five, six spot. So, pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with Freeze too. He took mine. He took all my thunder. But uh, I'm going with Freeze too. What do you think, Weege? Uh, I would go with Freeze, but since you two took it, and I don't want my thunder being stolen, um, I'll go with uh, Jimmy D. I think Jimmy D has been good. Seventh in the points for Jimmy D. Yeah, huh? and much Not bad. better than uh, Jimmy. Jimmy D's always gotten a lot of attention. He's always very popular. He is. But, uh, results-wise, points-wise, never that impressive. This is a big improvement, I feel. Jimmy D has gone 7-7 since he put on 
Instagram complaining about the purse. Do you feel like perhaps he's getting scored differently? The fix is on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He had a meeting with Feld. Feld was like, Jimmy, look, we're going to guarantee you you're going to get in the top ten. Will that make you happy? Will that make you stop posting things? <laughs> they made a deal, and Jimmy D's always in top ten now. Um, yeah, no, good, 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 solid season for Jimmy D so far. And again, like Jimmy D and Freeze, these guys aren't making anything. Lemoyne, you know, they're not making really any money, and uh, so they're doing well, you know, considering that, considering all that. So I feel like uh, I want to say Jace Owen as my surprise, but this doesn't seem the main event. The two main events, as he hasn't like has as much dash and splash as I thought he would through the through the two main hey, events. But hey, uh, JT, uh, you're a Florida guy. Uh, you're familiar with the guy who I guess is building the engines for pretty much all those privateer guys. T- TLR, I think is it. Michael Essie. Very. I'm not. We are not ever going to touch whoever builds Lessie's motors. We will not ever discuss that topic. We could do a complete teardown, and a guy's name could be stamped on every single part, and I'm still not going to know who put that motor together. <laughs> uh, it's a Florida guy, I guess, who's building all the engines for these, these privateers who are all doing well and, and, and pulling starts. No, I, I haven't heard anything about that, but um, uh, no. I... Yeah, I think it's called TLR. I met the guy at the, uh, the AIM Expo back in uh, October. and uh, But it's just weird how this 250F has become like the – this cottage industry, you know, it's kind of like where Chad Sander probably was two or three years ago, where mm-hmm. this guy becomes the guy that's got the formula that can. How many CCs is he adding? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have the formula to get the box fan of the races, but <laughs> the bikes were fast. Oh, by the way, my plane here down here in Florida was flight eleven ten, <laughs> but we made it. <laughs> we made it. It was late though. It was late, so. <laughs> You know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, uh. We, were, we were telling that I was telling that story today, actually, JJ. And they're like, "Did Phil ride for them?" And I'm like, "You haven't asked him. Why don't you? Why don't you take out a little chunk of time?" Phil, <laughs> how did it go? <laughs> I mean, didn't he run out of gas at Freestone at like the 15 minute mark or something? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Very early, very before most would think that you would run out of gas. Yes. <laughs> the AMA guy. If you're not here by six AM you're not they still couldn't they still couldn't do it. They still nope. couldn't do it. They rolled in at like seven forty five. Yeah. Uh we should get nasty Nate to write a book. Poor Nate. Um all right, anything else uh, to talk about? Uh at all? Silly season stuff? Do we want to get into that or do we want to not get into that right now? I think we should we should do a separate podcast for that here pretty soon. That's a that's a lengthy. Things subject. are heating up. They are. Things are heating up. We and you weren't even there to hear all the heating upness. Oh, oh, wow. All right, maybe we'll maybe we'll do that when we, when I get back. Theory or... out. Let me just hmm? throw this theory out for you guys. Okay. Um, we know nowadays that teams, uh, the factories, don't kind of have the unlimited budgets that they used to. So teams are much more dependent, even the factory teams on bringing in, you know, making sure they get maximum outside sponsorship deals, making sure they can squeeze the handlebar company for as much as possible, and, and everybody else mm-hmm. supports the team. So is, does that leading to 
a rush to get things done early to, we're the ones that got that guy, now give us the money. Because there's always that weird bluff game of we're going to have him if you give us the money. We promise we'll get him if you just give it. Like, is that what's making this happen so early this year? I don't think so. But, JT, what do you think? I think that everyone's deal is up. And the people, I think the teams that have, they know who they want. And if they get the chance to sign them, they're taking it because they know that it's just going to be war and they don't want to get into a huge bidding battle, so they're just trying to do it. You know, if they, if they have the opportunity to sign the guy they want, they're taking it. Mm-hmm. There's none of this, yeah, we'll just wait around and see. I think they're just going for it. Mm, interesting. Yep. I don't know. It, it's going to be, it's going to be I, I think a few deals, a few marquee deals are already done or are very well down the road to being done. So... It's going to be a little bit different in the fact that as we've gone on, these deals have gotten later and later, but this year is going to be a little different because as many guys are up, I think a lot of guys are going to be done before Supercross is even over. Mm-hmm. So it may take some yeah, of that, uh, you know, that anticipation out of the, out of the right. equation. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, we, we, we could maybe do a whole other thing, and we talk about the whys and the whats and what we hear and who's doing what and, and all that. That might, that might work out better. Well, you know how it is. That once the the big guys always go first. You know, the the guys that demand all the budget go first, and then the chips start to fall. So, as crazy as I thought it was going to be, I, I it may not. It may turn out to be pretty anticlimactic. You know, these guys these guys will get signed early, and then everybody will just kind of fall into place. A guy like uh, Jason Anderson, who's sh- shopping for a four fifty ride and leading the West, and then Cole Sealy with his third. Um, they're they're supposed to move up both of those guys and, and yeah they're they just they're helping themselves all the time so so um, yeah, all right anything else shape because you're going to get the situation where obviously a bunch of teams are going to swing for those those big names uh, like like we know for example that Barsha and Roxon are for grabs you know that that's people are going to be or are fighting to get them but not everybody's going to get one of those guys so then you're really going to have some other good choices and teams that got money to spend when you're talking to guys like Celia and Anderson. So they're going to be in a good spot, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should be. I feel like the uh, – and, JT, you, you should know this. You're, you know you're working for Fly there and uh, looking at riders' contracts and talking about different things. I feel like the prices are, are – they're not back to where they were when Lights Riders were making 700000 but it seems like we're recovered a little bit. Yeah, I think we're kind of in between. We're definitely not where we were, but it, the sky isn't falling like it was a few years ago. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully that will trickle down to some of the privateer guys that they can start making some money. The biggest thing for those guys is all of the contingency programs are not really anything like they were. That That's where those guys could make money. That They're not going to probably ever make a ton of salary, but, yeah. um, you know, maybe eventually the, the sport will recover some and, and those guys can, can have a few different revenue streams. But, the elite guys, they were making tons of money the whole time, so you know they can yeah. cry "woe is me," but it's really not that bad. <laughs> yeah, they're fine. So we don't need to have a, we don't need to have any sort of bake sales for Villapoto or anything like that. Yeah, probably not. Okay. Right. Yeah. Just checking. Biting, biting my tongue. Um. Uh, okay. Right. Anything else? I don't know how this went, but you know, hopefully, 
Worked out pretty good. Three-way on the Very phone. Recorded. Uh, BTOsports.com. Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Check out BTOsports.com for anything you need for your bike or body, and, of course, Fox Racing. Official gear of Ken Roxon, Ryan Dungey, the winner at Indianapolis, and much, much more. Um, all right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you, guys. See you. See you, Daytona. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory... We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pit and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride and you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years.